Heavenly Father, God, even as we just sang together, God, we're just reminded over and over and over again that you are great, that you're big and you're huge and you're strong. God, you're the reason that we are gathered here together. And so God, I pray for us that our hearts would be moved by your greatness. God, as we sang about your gospel and how we can run to you over and over and over again, God, I pray we'd be a people that would continually run to you and be shocked by the mercy and grace that you show us. God, God, I pray we would never get over your greatness, your strength, your power, your grace, your mercy. God, I'm praying that we would be a people that would be radically and passionately in love with you. God, as we continue to worship, I pray for this time. God, God, would you work in all of our hearts? Would you help all of us to listen and hear what you would say to us through your word? I, I, I pray you would do that in a way that'd be beyond, way beyond my ability to communicate. And God, I'm also asking, God, would you help me as a pastor? God, would you fill me with your spirit? God, God would you enable me to teach faithfully and accurately? And I pray it would be a demonstration of, of your power that hearts would be moved and changed this morning. And I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, um, it is freezing cold outside, and I found out that I still own a sweater, so that's pretty awesome. Um, I, it's rare for me to find sweaters that aren't 20 years old. I don't, know that, I, don't know what that, I don't know what that means about me, but I wear sweaters so rarely that when I get one, I'm like, yes, it's cold. I'm going to wear my sweater to church on Sunday. So uh, please bear with me as I get to actually wear a sweater for the first and last time. Who knows how, many, how long being in Florida. Um, as, you're getting, as we're getting ready to jump into the book of Titus, that's where we've been. I, I want to remind you kind of or tell you what's kind of happening in this study. Uh, Last week, we started a new series on the book of Titus. Now, listen, I, I'm really excited about this book. Here's why. Here's Paul writing to this young pastor, and he's saying, hey, I've got work for you to do, getting these churches set up. And um, it gives just a lot of instructions about how the church is supposed to look. And, and here's why I'm excited about it. it. It's a mixture of excited and nervous. But here's why I'm excited about the book of Titus. I, I think there's nothing more exciting to me than when the Bible is clear about what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm supposed to be believing. Uh, I love that. What's difficult about it is when I see what the Bible clearly tells us to be doing, and then I look at what I'm doing, and they don't seem to match up. And, and the, the nervous part for me is it can be very easy for us. When we see what the Bible says, we can either skip over the parts that we don't line up, or we can edit it to change it to say something else, or, which is where I'm trying to lead us to go, when the Bible clearly speaks and it doesn't line up with how we believe or how we're acting, that the, our goal is to change what we believe and how we act so they, mat, so they match. And even as I'm doing that, I'm realizing I don't know which one of these matches, but you understand the point of my hand signals. And, and here's the point for us, that we're supposed to be humble people. We're supposed to be humble when it comes to interacting with who God is and what he tells us to do. And we believe as we come to the word that, that God is in charge. He, he really is. He's in charge. He has the right to tell us what to do and how to believe. God's competent. In other words, he knows what he's doing, so he's actually good at communicating. He didn't stumble in his words when he gave us the Bible. He wasn't like, man, I really wish I could go back and edit that and say it clearer. He didn't, he's not sitting here saying, man, they really surprised me in 2020. I didn't know they'd be this crazy. Really wish I would have written a few things that address 2020. Kind of slipped my mind as I was planning that. Listen, he, 
He's all wise and he's competent. He's able to communicate clearly. He communicated exactly what he wanted us to know. It's good for us. It's understandable. And he has the right to tell us what to do. So, so here's what that means. That means we go to him and ask him to enable us to actually understand and obey what he's told us. So that's, that's all great in theory until the rubber meets the road. And so let me just remind you the situation. Paul has been traveling around planting churches like a madman. Apparently that's what he does. He goes in a city, plants a church, moves on. That's like his every three week routine, he plants another church. Apparently he went to this island called Crete. Now, if you weren't here last week and you don't know what Crete looks like, go ahead and pull out your phone and Google Crete, C-R-E-T-E. It's this awesome luxury island in the Mediterranean Sea. Like, beautiful water, like beautiful beaches. Like it's the perfect place for God to say, I need you to go to this place and preach the gospel. It's the place all of us want to go and serve Jesus. I mean, it's it, unless you hate the beach and then I don't know where you would want to go to preach Jesus. I, I can't help you. If you don't want to go to Crete, something is deeply broken in you. Okay. Let me, except for the sand, I get the, the hate of sand on the beach, but, but it's this beautiful place. And, and Paul has apparently been going village to village to village to village, who knows how quickly starting churches all over the place. And then he has to go. And so he leaves and he tells Titus, Titus, I got work for you to do in Crete. And, and that's what the book of Titus is all about. And, and you can imagine this, right? Paul shows up in town. He leads a couple of you to the Lord. He's like, all right, you're a church now. See ya. And he pieces out. And you're like, okay, wait, hold on. I, time out. I got, I got a few questions. All right. Like we don't even have a Bible. There's no such thing as a church anywhere around us. There's not even a web page I can go to and say, what is church supposed to look like? I've got no experience. I've got no insight. This has never been done before. When you say, see ya, what am I supposed to be doing until you get back? And you can imagine all the questions like, when do we meet? Oh, do we meet? I don't even know. What do we do when we meet? How often do we meet? Where do we meet? Like if there's like five of us, is that just in the house? Like there's no buildings? Like, and what is it we're supposed to be doing when we get together? And, and what do we teach? I don't even know. Like I don't have a Bible and maybe I've been a pagan my whole life. I've been worshiping idols and now you tell me there's one God. That's new for me. Or maybe I'm a Jew and I've got all these rules. Like what am I supposed to teach? How do I know what's right and wrong? How do I figure this out? Like who's in charge? Who's not in charge, right? How do we do this? I got all these questions. So we do about baptism, right? Imagine that one, Lord's Supper. I, I just, the chaos of this is insane to me, right? And he leaves and he's like, listen, I'm gonna leave Titus with you. And, and here's kind of the game plan. Let me see where, let me show you his very first thing to Titus. Titus chapter one, verse five. Here's what he tells Titus. Got all these churches in this situation says this, this is why I left you in Crete. Like, hey, Titus, I'm reminded, this is why I left you there. I've got work for you to do. I don't know if Titus is on the beach just chilling and T Paul's writing him a reminder. Hey, bro, you need to get back to work, get off the beach. Or maybe he's gotten bogged down with all the work. But he says this, this is why I left you in Crete. So that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, so let me just put that in ways that we would normally talk. He says, first of all, Titus, I got, I got two jobs for you. The first one, put things in order, put what remains in order in the church. In other words, Titus, your job is to go and organize the church. Get that thing set up so it can do its job, man. Like you, there's things we set up, they're already out of whack. You need to go back and put it back in whack instead of out of, in other words, put it back, realign it, get it where it's supposed to be. And there's other things we didn't get to organize. 
Titus, I need you to set up the plan and the programs and the procedures. You need to organize this church. And the second thing is you need to appoint elders in every town, just like I told you. So listen, you don't need to just organize the church. You need to set up leadership in the church. Now, listen, as soon as I see that, I'm sitting there going, you know what? I don't really want to talk about church organization on a Sunday morning. Can, can I be honest? Some of you are like, amen, please. Lord Jesus, don't have that man talk about bylaws and constitutions. And, and please, for the love of everything decent and good. I got up this morning on Sunday. There was some coffee, but not enough coffee for that. Like, I came here to hear some good news. And you want to, you're stopping on church organization. And I got to be honest, I, real, real tempted Real tempted to say, I'm going to skippity doodah on over that, especially for, for some of our guests today. I mean, I, I know you're like, man, I'm visiting and you're going to talk about organization of the church. I, I was tempted, but guess what? I was only tempted for a little while. I still feel a little tension about it, but, but let me tell you why I'm going to stay here for this morning. Here's why. Let me give you a few reasons. First of all, um, I, like I said before, God communicated exactly what he wanted us to know. And he has a plan for the church that he didn't keep to himself or plan to have just in little secret rooms of leaders. He put it in the Bible for all of us, all of us to know. Why would he do that? L listen, uh, here's another reason why I think it's important. Not just because he wants us to know it. Um, you ever had a bad experience at church? I mean, like, like a for real bad experience. Not like there was a cranky person that you took their pew. Out of, does that still happen in churches? Anybody have that? Yeah. Listen, I'm talking like bad experience at church. I mean, maybe your kids had a bad experience at church. Your kids have peaced out when it comes to church. They're gone. They ain't coming back. And you think you know why, right? Because of some bad experiences at church. Listen, Paul wrote how the church is supposed to be because I think we've all seen it, right? You, you've seen bad churches that are, they seem pointless and useless. Anybody had that experience at church? Are you allowed to raise your hand at that whenever you're at church? I don't, listen, okay, if you haven't had that experience at church, let me let you in on a little secret. Uh, sometimes when you go to church, the reason people leave the church is it's pointless. It's useless. Now, now let me explain that. I'm not saying that God's original design and intent was that the church would be pointless and useless. I'm saying he has a plan that was not pointless and useless. It, it was helpful and powerful and strong, but the church through disobedience or laziness totally jacked it up. Listen, I guarantee that there's a whole lot of churches. Uh, I'm not going to name names. You can visit a lot of churches in Tallahassee that quite frankly are not lined up with God's design and plan and they are pointless and useless. Listen, I wonder if on a list of churches that are pointless and useless, I wonder, do we end up on that list? Is the way that we do church pointless and useless? Or is it in line with God's plan, God's design? Are we actually helping you? Or are we just wasting an hour every week? Man, I think that's a, one of the reasons why God wants us to know the organization of the church. What is it supposed to do for me? Why do this? Is it just because he wants me to wake up every morning, early on Sunday morning, and hear some guy get up and give a 30-minute lecture? Is that the point? That God's biggest plan for my life is to sing three songs, hear a lecture, and then move on and come back hopefully next week or maybe two weeks later. Is, is that how that's supposed to work? Listen, no, that, that is not his plan. And that's what we've turned it into. I, 
I think there's more. It's not just bad church experience. You experience bad church leaders. I mean, like, listen, I, I, you can turn on the TV just about any time. You can find it on the internet, man. You've got, you've got really lousy church leaders. You want proof? I give you Twitter. You, you want to know about a pastor? Hop on Twitter. See how that dude is interacting and ranting and raving and think, does that sound like the way a person is supposed to represent Jesus Christ is supposed to be out yelling out at everyone? Is that the message of the gospel and of the word? Is that heartlessness or that anger or that rage? Is, is that what this is supposed to look like? And that dude's running a church? Come on, man. I don't know about that. Like, listen, there's a whole lot of bad pastors and leaders out there. And it's really hard for me to get up and say that out loud. All right? Because I am a pastor. <laughs> um, I'm not going to qualify whether I'm a good or a bad pastor. I'm just going to say God has a standard for what a good and a bad pastor is supposed to be. So we should know what that is. Because the reality is, if you're going to be a part of a church, you need to make sure the dude that's up there leading is in line with what this word says. So whether you're visiting today or not, man, I don't want you to end up at a church with some lousy leader who's a crook or they're greedy or they're a coward. They won't tell you the truth of the word or they're disconnected, or they're selfish, or worse, they're a predator, or they're leading you in the wrong direction. Listen, if you're going to engage with the church, we got to know what type of leadership we're supposed to see in there so that we can follow sh uh, shepherds and not wolves. Man, so, so why would I take time to do this this morning? Because I think it's good for you. <laughs> I want this to be a protection for you because I, I don't know if you'll be here forever. You may not be here next week. I don't know. You may hate what you hear, all right? But, but the question is, what is God's plan for the church and how are we gonna align ourselves to his plan for the structures and organization of the church? So am I gonna bore you with structure and organization this morning? I hope I'm not gonna bore you, but we are gonna talk about it, okay? So my plan is just to give you a quick little overview. So I wanna point out one little thing that I notice here in verse five. So Paul has already set the churches up a little and his first statement to Titus is this. Listen, I want you to put what remains in order. He, let me tell you what that tells me real quick. In the church world, it's very easy for a church to get out of whack. The, the way church works, you can't just wind it up and set it down and it's just gonna go on track from here till forever. That's not how church works. Listen, culture's changing, we're changing. That means our, the way we do things has to be flexible. We don't change the truth, but we change our methods. We change our structures to actually accomplish the thing that God's called us to do. And we can very easily veer and get off course. So whatever time frame has elapsed, Paul is already hearing that in Crete, the things he set up have already gotten out of whack. And he's saying, Titus, I need you to go get it back in line. Or there's other things that aren't set up and the, the church is, is missing it. Listen, I, I feel like I've seen some of these things in the church world and I'm not gonna name church names that I've worked at and experienced it, although I could. So if you're listening, I might be talking about you uh, at my previous churches. So I need you to just take a deep breath because you know it's true. Um, so here's what happens in some churches. In some churches, especially established churches that have existed for a while, 
what can very quickly happen is you over-organize the church. All right, you get it all. I mean, it's all, you got it organized and you got, every time someone does something stupid, you're like, I got a new policy for that. Every time someone does something squirrely, you've got a new bylaw that goes in the constitution. Every time something insane happens out in the city, you're like, you know, we got to make a new rule at church. And all of a sudden you lock it down more and more and more and more. So now the church is all about maintaining the structures and the policies instead of accomplishing the mission that Jesus gave it to do. Listen, we, while we got to have structure and organization, it can't be overly structured that we can't breathe. We're supposed to be a body, a group of people in a relationship that are actively engaged in mission. And if you strap us down in all these constraints, we can't do that. And churches can very easily get stuck loving their programs and their structures more than the point of the program and the structures. Right? You ever had a conversation with someone about what, you know, churches get stuck on. Let me give you the best example I think of is groups, the way churches do groups. They're either all set on Sunday school or they're all set on small group and they spend all this effort just making groups, just making Sunday school classes, but they're never stopping and asking this question. Is it actually doing what it's supposed to do? Listen, it doesn't take long for a church to get so overly structured that all it is is focused on over and over and over again, maintaining the structure instead of accomplishing the mission. Not only that, but sometimes people get exposed to that. So then the response is, I'm bailing on all structure. Ditch it all. It's everyone doing whatever you want. We're out running in fields with flowers, dancing around. You teach what you want. You think what you want. You do what you want because God's just going to work in you and it's all going to happen. It's, it's this fluid, loosey-goosey, ineffective type of thing. Listen, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been in this environment as well that every time you went to come up with a plan, the person was like, we don't need a plan. We've got the spirit. And you're like, listen, I... I know I got the spirit and I know I got the word, but like, bro, you got a plan. Are we meeting Sunday? <laughs> no, where? How? No, maybe you don't. Do you have a plan for that? Like, I mean, literally, you think I'm kidding, but literally we start chunking out stuff that we need. And I'm telling you, Paul was not an unorganized guy. If you don't believe me, I need you to read through 1 Timothy. And I want you to see all the structure that he gave to Timothy about the church. He even had rules about how to deal with widows. Like who has a, I mean, we're not like one rule, not like serve widows. His rule for serving widows has like six different steps, right? He's like, she's got to be this and she's got to be this and this has to happen. You're like, whoa, Paul, chill with the structure, bro. You're supposed to be a spirit guy. But here he is throwing out structure left and right so they know how to serve the widows. Listen, organization and leadership matter. And here is why. Because God gave the church a mission. Do y'all know what the mission of the church is? Matthew 28 tells us that our job is to go and make disciples of Jesus. Let me say it this way. That we're supposed to make followers of Jesus. That one of the things we're supposed to be doing as a church is the men and women and children that are surrounding us in the city of Tallahassee. Listen, we've got to be effective and active at sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And I don't think that happens without a plan. I think leadership and organization matter for reaching people. Not only that, but, but listen, we're supposed to help you grow in your walk with Jesus. Like you should be growing at the church. 
You should be. You should know Jesus better. You should know his word more. You, you should obey him more after you've been with this body for a while. And that's going to take a plan. And let me tell you the thing that struggles for me sometimes. You, people can be in church 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You don't know any more about Jesus than you did when you first got started. Your obedience has not grown. Listen, you don't know the word better at all. Are we doing a good job? Listen, as a church, I'm supposed to be, as a pastor, to be helping you grow in knowing and loving and obeying Jesus. Now, if you don't grow and I'm doing my job, part of that's on you. That's what pastors do, right? Say, not my fault. I gave everything they needed. They're stubborn, right? There's no way he's going to evaluate that he didn't present the word clearly or didn't come up with a good plan and structure. And, and what Paul is telling Titus is, listen, you've got to set leaders and plans in place so you can reach the people and grow the people. Uh, I think there's more. I think it's not just that we reach and grow. I've got to make sure I help you connect with one another. The church is not a time that we gather or a place that we gather. The church is a relationship of people that gather. But we, we get really good at isolating and, and separating. And even when we put you in groups, it's really easy to say, I'm going to be in the group because I'm supposed to be in the group. But they're not going to know me, and I really don't want to get to know them. And, and listen, Leaders, we've got to help lead us to be in deep relationship with one another. Listen, it should be easy for you to know and be known at a church. There's more that we have to do. We've got to figure out how to love and serve one another. I've got to learn how to equip you for the work of the ministry. Like, in other words, your job is not to sit here and just mindlessly, if I'm like, okay, you go with that person, and then you go run that ministry. Like, no, the point is I'm supposed to equip you for the work of the ministry that God has called you to. That doesn't happen without leadership and a plan. We're also supposed to care for the needy and the oppressed and the broken in the city. Let me ask you a question. If we want to actually care for the needy, the oppressed, and the broken in the city, do you think that happens without a plan and without leadership? No, we can say, hey, let's do this. See you next week. Hey, let's do this. See you next week. Hey, this week, this week, I want you to reach people. See you next week. Like, I haven't given you any leadership or any structure or any, any organization for that. If we're going to do the things that God has called the church to do, it requires leadership and structure. So, so with that in mind, as I'm looking at Paul's command to Titus to put what remains in order, I'm asking this question of myself. As a pastor at North Florida Baptist Church, which areas do I need to put in order here for us to be more in line with what God's called the church to be? I'm curious, if you were making a list, what would be on your list? Don't, don't yell it out, please. I, I will, it'll be a stress factory for me if all of a sudden y'all are saying crazy stuff. And um, I'm curious to your opinion. I just don't want to hear it yelled at me right now. So you can email that to me later if you want, or talk to me afterwards. But, but I look around at our church and, and I, I ask this question. I know it's COVID, so that's, that makes it weird, right? We, we haven't fully emerged from this awfulness. But I'm asking the question, what do I need to do? I'm, I'm showing this is how I interact with the word. It says this thing, what do I need to do as a pastor to organize and put what remains in order? And when I write out my list, uh, are you going to be offended if I say it wasn't a short list? 
Take that quiet as a yes. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll ignore how long my list was of things that need to be put in order. But let me just tell you, it wasn't short. All right, that's not against you. I'm not mad at you for that. All right, uh, I'm not saying, look at you. Look at what you did. My list is huge. It's not your fault. That's not your fault. But I'm looking at the things that, that I'm saying, okay, we've gotten out of whack. We need to get more in line with what Jesus has said he wants his church to be. Where do I have work to do? And, and I want to share four things for me that stood out that I'm saying, man, this year, I, I really want Jesus to help us put these things in order. Um, first one, our discipleship plan and structures. And we're asking the question, our staff has been asking this over and over and over again, ad nauseum, like they're probably tired of hearing it. But one of the things that's going on in my head is, what's our plan to help you grow more in love with Jesus? And here's what I don't mean by that. Okay, get him in a group, boom, they grow. What's our plan to help you grow more in love with Jesus? I think our plan there needs some work and we should be having a plan to help you grow in your walk with God. Now, if you don't want to grow in your walk with God, listen, that's part of our plan. We need to figure that out, why you don't want to do that. This is the second thing, what's our plan to get all of you connected into biblical community? And what I mean by that is, what is our plan to help you connect with other people? I want you to connect with one another in this thing. I know some of you are saying, man, I just, I've been burned here before. Like, okay, we've got to have a plan to help us get over the past wounds so we can still engage in the command of God for us to love one another. I mean, if we don't have a plan, how long does it take for you to actually connect in this body? Should you be here for a week, a month, a year, 10 years? Are we just hoping it happens? Like, man, I really hope they get to know each other. See ya, I preached, my work is done. Listen, I think we gotta work on our plan for us to get all of you connected into biblical community in a way that's really helpful for you. I'm also asking this question, what's our plan to equip you? Specifically, are we equipping you to reach your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, the people that are in your kids' t-ball league? Are we equipping you to actually reach them? Are we helping you do that with your classmates? Listen, I think that's when I'm looking at the top three things, those are my top three, boom, boom, boom. We've got to get that squared away. And, and then my fourth one, what's our plan to help guests get, be welcomed and connected to the church family? Now that might sound weird to you. You're like, okay, the other ones make sense, but, but why guests? Well, why do you care about guests getting connected? Let me let me tell you why. First of all, every person that walks on this campus, we should believe that God is giving us an opportunity that we need to be good stewards of. So the moment someone drives onto this campus, God's given us an opportunity to expose them to the goodness of Jesus Christ, to his good news and his word and his grace and his mercy. Every single one, every man, woman, and child. It doesn't matter if they're showing up in the nicest car in the parking lot or if they're walking on from the bus stop because they've been addicted to drugs for years and they're giving us a shot. We have to be good stewards of that opportunity. We never know when it's gonna happen. So when they show up on this campus, we need to be ready to welcome them so they, their minds are put at ease, so they're ready to engage and encounter Jesus through his word, right? Like I'm looking at it and I don't know who's gonna come on that campus. And here's, the, here's what we learned from studies. People decide about a church in their first 10 minutes if they're even gonna come back. They haven't heard a song or a sermon yet in 10 minutes. Why? Because if I show up and 
There's no one in the parking lot. I don't know if I'm at the right place or the right time. If I don't know where to go in, it freaks me out. No one says hi to me. I feel isolated. I already feel uncomfortable. Like, like they do, because the church, if they've had a good experience, that means the church has said, we know you were coming. We were planned for you coming. We wanted you here, right? We, that's why I think we got to do this. Here, here's what else I want you to know. I, I want you, when you invite your unsafe friends to join you at church, I don't want you to be nervous about what they're going to experience. I don't want you to say, okay, listen, I, I want to invite you to my church, but I, I need to give you a heads up about a few things. You'll never find the building. Okay, just how about you meet at my house and I drive with you over. You'll never, you, you'll, you'll have no idea what door to go in. Just look for the giant pine trees and go in one of those doors. Like, no, no one is going to talk to you. Just please tell me you're here so I make sure you're not left alone. Listen, your kids, it's going to be creepy dropping your kids off. Like, get a babysitter, right? Is that what you want to have happen when you invite one of your friends to church? I don't want you to have to apologize for a single thing because I want you to be able to effectively reach your neighbors and coworkers. And I don't think it all happens by inviting them to church, but we've got to do a good job of greeting people when they show up here. It, it matters, right? It really matters. And you need to have confidence that we're going to put them at ease as best as possible because we plan for that, that we're going to try to connect them to Jesus and to one another. Listen, that, that matters. When someone drives on that campus, here's what I believe is happening. The clock is ticking and they're asking this question. Can I trust my, my spiritual care and my family to this church? And the way we welcome them earns their trust that they feel like they've planned for me, they're gonna care for me, they want me here, and that gives us the right to share the good news of Jesus with them. Church, I know that's a stupid little thing, but do you see how that matters? Man, it, it, if it would matter to me, if my kids grow up and walk away from Jesus and they're in a college town and all of a sudden they give a church a shot one Sunday morning, Listen, I don't care how full or empty the church is. I don't care if COVID is happening. I don't, I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they're poor. I don't care. But if my son calls me up and he says, yeah, I went. Nobody said hi to me. And the sermon was pointless. Bro, I might drive to that city, find that pastor, and we might have a good old-fashioned come-to-Jesus meeting after that because my son gave a chance. Man, I want him to know Jesus, right? Isn't that what you want? So these plans that we've got to come up with, they're not just plans. It's, I'm not talking about church growth. I'm talking about being good stewards of the opportunity that God would give us. Church, when I see put remained in order, those are the four things that stand out to me. And I'm planning for this year with the staff to get those things more in line than where they've been. But please don't take that in the wrong. We've got some stuff that's awesome. Like, dude, the coffee, killer. Some of y'all are out there. You're like standing at doors, greeting people left and right. But, but listen, the things that we're doing good, we've got, we've, got, we've got to reach a little bit more. I feel like we're getting children's ministry where it needs to be, but we've got to reach some more. We've got to get that parking lot where it needs to be. And those door greeters, we've got to figure out some signs. We're going to be working on that as staff in the background. I was deeply convicted of this as I read these verses this week. I want you to hear it from me. We, we need to work there. But there's something else, and hopefully I don't lose you on this one. He, he didn't just say I need to put what remained in order. He says this crazy phrase there. 
and appoint elders in every town as I directed. Now, uh, anybody here been to a church that has elders? And if you say a Mormon church, we're going to have a conversation about that. Uh, if there's a Mormon here, I apologize. I probably just offended you. Uh, is it the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses that have elders? I just, my brain just freaked out on me. One of those cults um, has elders. I'm not talking about that. Uh, I don't think that's Paul's plan here, that it's Elder Fiez and... Uh, that would feel weird. I don't even know. Um, I don't think it's just old people. The question I'm asking is, what is Paul asking Titus to do in Crete? Go to every village, get it in order, and appoint elders. Set up elder. What, what's an elder? So, okay, so let me explain that to you. We, we get a little clue because you go down to verse 7 of Titus chapter 1. Look at that. So verse 5, appoint elders, and then he goes over the list of qualification for an elder. And in verse 7, he says, for an overseer. This is another word for elder, different Greek word. You've got elder, which means a person who's, who's kind of older and wiser. Overseer is the idea almost of like a manager and an organizer. Um, he said, listen, elders, overseers, let me show you another passage that shows it really well. Flipping your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Verse 17, here's Paul. He's heading back to Jerusalem. He's been doing planting churches left and right. He doesn't stop in Ephesus. He'd been living in Ephesus for two years uh, or something like that. And as he's driving, as he's uh, not driving, he's in a boat. So he's boating past Ephesus. He, he ports at this city called Miletus and he wants to see these dudes. Look at verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. I want you to notice thing. He didn't call the elder of the church. He called the elders, plural, more than one. He called them uh, to come to him. And let me show you, they're getting this conversation where he's giving them more instructions. Look at his instructions he gives to these elders of the church, the one church in Ephesus. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves. Now, watch yourself. Make sure you're still following Jesus. And to all the flock, and all the, all the flock, that's the congregation in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What did you say to the elders? You're overseers. Your job is to, to watch over the flock and to care. That thing says, says to care for the church of God. That word in Greek, it could almost be to shepherd. Maybe say it this way, to pastor. You got all three of them. You've got shepherd, you've got elder, you've got pastor in this verse. And in verse 29, he says this, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves, that's not good shepherds. These are the dirty dogs we talked about earlier. They'll come in among you, not sparing the flock. They're going to use them. They're going to attack them. They're going to lead them astray. Try to get money out of them or power or whatever. I don't know what all they want. Verse 30, and from among your own selves, even some of you, you guys that I trust, your elders, some of you, are, you're going to arise uh, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So, so here's Paul. He, he reaches out to these elders in Ephesus. And here's what I see real quick. You see an elder is also an overseer, is also a pastor. All right. So I know we don't use the title elder or overseer. I don't know how I would respond if you call me overseer Fiaz. Again, Weird title, but these are the titles, but we, we are used to the title pastor. Listen, the, the title that the Bible uses over and over and over again for the leadership of the church is a pastor, an elder, or an overseer. It says that over and over and over again. That's the position. They're supposed to be pastors, elders, overseers, and they're supposed to be deacons who help the pastor, elder, overseers lead the church. That's the job. Now, 
Now, here's what I see in here that, that is a little bit different than I think what we're used to. I want you to notice something. Uh, in the Bible, you don't ever see them talking about one elder at a church. You, you don't see them uh, operating off, um, I'm just going to be blunt here. You don't see them off, operating off the pastor is the CEO model. I don't know if you've been underneath that. That's, that's not the model you see in the Bible. There's not one leader and everything else flows out from underneath that. He's, he's unaccountable to anyone. He does whatever he wants. He's in charge with an iron grip. That is not the model of the New Testament. Some of you are like, I don't know about this. Like, that's our model. Let me, let me show you. It happens quickly. Acts chapter 11. I'm going to fly. You can write these down or you can look at them on the screen or you can do a sword drill. Is that what we called it back in the day? Y'all remember sword drills in Bible? Anybody? All my church people said yes. All the people who weren't in church like, what are you talking about? Listen, had these Bible drills where you had to sit there as a kid and like, Acts 11, boom. And first kid stands up, gets candy. And the same kid got all the candy. And the rest of us are like, I don't have tabs on my Bible. How did he do that? Acts chapter 11. For those of you who don't have tabs, it'll be up on the screen. Verse 29, this is very early in the church. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch and God reveals them there's about to be a famine and the church decides to take an offering and send it back to the church in Jerusalem. Notice this, verse 29. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So they all said, we're gonna give money, send it to them because things are gonna get hard. Verse 30, and they, they did so, that's what they did. Sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So you very quickly, Acts 11, this is early in the church. The church in Jerusalem already has apostles and elders and deacons. They've got elders. They're sending it to the elders, the overseers, the pastors, plural. Now you may be saying, well, yeah, Jerusalem had like 8,000 people. Of course they've got more than one pastor. Well, look at this, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Paul's traveling, not Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 14, sorry. Wrong spot in my notes. Sword drill, tab, over to Acts 14. Verse 21, Paul and Barnabas have gone around planting churches. They're finishing up their missionary journey. Look at their plan. Verse 21 says this, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples so they're strengthening them, they're encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And look at this verse 23. And when they had appointed elders, plural for them, in every church, see what they did there? They encouraged them, they strengthened them. They set up elders, multiple elders in every single church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So this is what Paul's strategy was. He starts a church. He goes to the next day, but he's going to come back and say, listen, I want to encourage you, stick to it. Stay true to Jesus. Now we got to set up your leaders. We need more than one in a group leading this church. That's what he did. And listen, that's early Acts, man. He's already doing that in Acts. Listen, by the time you get to the book of Philippians, you don't have to turn there, but in Philippians 1, he addresses that letter to the church in Philippi, not the churches, the single church in Philippi, he says, to the elders or overseers, plural, and deacons. Listen, it's, it's organized in the early church. and They're doing different jobs. Look at 1 Timothy. 
I know I'm flying in tons of verses. First Timothy chapter five, he says this, let the elders who rule well, this is verse 17, I'm sorry. First Timothy five, 17. This is Paul writing to Timothy about how to organize churches. It says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So there's this job leadership of the church that are supposed to be elders. And there's this other status of elders that the main preaching, teaching elder, that's kind of the leader among the elders. But there's a group of elders who are supposed to lead and particularly the ones who lead and teach are supposed to be involved in this. Not all of them will lead and teach in that way, but one of them needs to be the main leader teacher. Listen, there's a lot in the New Testament. I've just skimmed the surface, but over and over and over again, what you see in the New Testament is elders multiple at singular churches. That's what you see. Listen, and, and the jobs that they're given, their job is to feed, to lead, Supposed to feed you. In other words, supposed to give you the word and right teaching and to equip you for the work of the ministry. Supposed to lead us to organize and direct and oversee, to care for one another, to make sure that everyone's being cared for and connected, to protect from false teaching and false teachers and sin running wild in the church. Listen, that, that's the jobs of the elders slash overseers of the church. And currently as a church, that's not how we are set up. Um, that's not our structure here, is it? So what are we going to do? Well, here's the deal. The Bible does not lay out all the details of how elders should work. So we're not going to say, well, tomorrow it starts. That's not what's happening. Everyone's freaking out here. Like, where's the new bylaws? Where's the new constitution? What's happening? Listen, I'm reading the verse. I'm teaching us the verse. And then we're figuring out the plan on, on how to get ourselves in alignment with it. So, So here's what I believe that means. I believe in the coming year, we need to get together. We need to study what the word says about this. Think through it, plan, and we need to change our leadership structure. Now, listen, you need to hear something. That is not convenient for me. I've got a sweet deal here, right? I'm the senior pastor. If I say it, everyone's like, boom, gone, right? That's what we do. And if I don't like it, I leave. I'm taking power that I have because I believe it's what the Bible says. And my plan is for us to find the right qualified people that are biblically qualified and to spread that authority out. It feels risky. You get the wrong people in that position. We could have a nightmare, right? We got to be careful. We need to think through this. But here's what, we're, here's what I'm committed to. I feel like God communicated clearly. So we're going to obey it. And we're going to be careful and thoughtful and patient. And we're going to teach through it. I've got tons of questions. You may have five kabillion questions. I I have five kabillion in one. (laughs) All right. Like I got all sorts of things in my head going. But let me tell you why. I, I think first of all that God says that. But here's what I believe why that matters. I think it's protection. Listen, if there's a group of elders who are leading the church, if I go awry, like I'm talking like crazy, like I'm, I'm veering off and I'm not being gentle with you. That group of elders is supposed to step in. If things are falling and not lacking care, it spreads the workout. If I get exhausted, like think about this. I need you to just think about it. One elder and I get exhausted 
in the work of ministry. Like you guys know that happens, right? Like you can get exhausted and all of a sudden you're, you hit a crisis in your family and I've been going hard week after week after week after week after week and I'm exhausted and I finally take a vacation and now your family hits crisis. Are you supposed to wait till I get back in town to get help from a pastor elder? No. Like also not only this, let me just be honest with you. Um, I am not the perfect pastor. If you didn't know that, you've not been paying attention for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. I'm not. I have weaknesses. That list is probably longer than a list of things that need to work, we need to work on in the church. But when God brings other gifted elders together whose weaknesses are not the same as my weaknesses, that's going to be good for you. It will let me focus on the things I'm strong at and they will help shore up the things I'm weak at. It'll have multiple people helping guard the doctrine of the church. It'll have multiple people helping care for you. Listen, church, I believe that this is good for our organization and our plan. And so here's what I'm saying. I want us to do that. And we're gonna be taking steps. And if you've got questions, I'll meet as much as you want to talk about the word as much as you want and figuring out what it's saying about this. And I may not have answers to all your questions, but we'll figure it out. All right? Now, now I've got something I want you to know. I believe that as a church, we need to focus on organizing ourselves to accomplish the mission and organizing our leadership to be faithful to the word. Why would I do that? Because I believe that's the best way for us to lead you to have a good and growing, vibrant relationship with God and with one another. That's why. That's, that's, that's my desire for you. I believe that God wants every person in this room to have a deep and authentic relationship with him. And... He wants us to feel loved and welcomed in this body. Why do I believe that? Because he said that he sent his son to die on the cross so that every person in the world could have a relationship with him. And he created a body so that we could have a relationship with one another. If he's going to send his son to die on the cross for our sins, do you think he doesn't want a relationship with you? Of course he does. He loves you and wants to make you whole. And we as a church want to be part of that process. I want to guide us in a time of response. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Now listen, I know we talked a lot about structure and organization. But I hope you heard more than structure. I hope you heard the heart of God for you and for this church family. So, so how should I guide you to respond in this? First of all, Right in your seat, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray for God's wisdom for us as a church. Would you ask him to protect us in this process? us, would you ask him to help us be bold enough to face the areas that need to change? Listen, for some of you, the, the thing you heard is what you heard, uh, the thing that got in your heart was not, hey man, when you change the structure of the church, the thing that stood out in you is, man, I haven't been growing in my walk with God. I haven't been growing in my knowledge of God. I haven't been growing in deeper relationship with people in the church. 
listen, would you just confess that to God if there's parts that you need to own on that? And would you ask him to help? And and I'm gonna ask you to wade in into knowing and loving him, pursuing him, and getting in relationship with one another in this church. For others of you, we talk about that God wants a relationship with you. You've never had that. Listen, I just wanna share the good news with you. It's simple. That all of us are broken, uh, rebellious, sinful. We've, We've got issues. We've broken our relationship with God. And and instead of sitting back and telling us to figure it out, or instead of coming with severe wrath, which we deserved, God leaned into us. He pursued us. He sent his son, Jesus, because he said, I, listen, I, I want those people to have a relationship with me. I want them to be whole. So I'm going to go after them. I'm going to take care of all the issues by sending Jesus to die on a cross for them. He'll get all the wrath they deserve. And Jesus came back to life and says that God promised this thing that Jesus will satisfy God's wrath against us and he'll make us sons and daughters and he'll clean us and give us a new heart and he'll help us belong. He'll make us whole. Listen, and he doesn't say clean yourself up. He says, I offer that to you freely. But all you have to do is turn from doing it your own way and place your trust in what I've done for you and ask me to save you. That's it. Listen, if you've never done that, I want to encourage you right there in your seat. And would you start a relationship with Jesus? Would you ask him to save you and give you a new heart? Heavenly Father, um, God, I confess that today felt a lot like church talk. God, I pray we would be a people who would be willing and to submit to whatever you would say. We'd be excited about a church that would help us grow and connect and serve. God, I'm praying you would make us that people. God, and I'm also praying you would help us to be really good stewards of every man, woman, and child that steps onto this campus, that our planning would help them connect with you. God, help us to do that. And I pray that all in Jesus' name.